Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah, Gretchen had mentioned it. Uh, you'll see uh, in most of the seats, the ones that I filled back in, uh, there's these connection cards. There's plenty in the back. There's uh, plenty around you if you don't want to fill one out. Um, I would suggest you change, change your mind. Uh, there's a lot of people that said, hey, I, I have this stuff going on in my life, and I, and I don't know why the elders aren't praying for me. No one's reached out to me. Um, this is, uh, we read these every week. So if you want to know, like it, it says right there, hey, I'd like one of the elders to contact me about blank. So if you want the elders to contact you, which is I'm one of the elders, uh, you can put, hey, I'd like Brian to contact me about. Uh, feel free to put that down. We will get back to you. We'd love to talk to you. So please do not hesitate to do that. Also, like I said, there is the prayer on the back. And if you don't want everyone in the church to know, there's this little box that says confidential. Just the elders will pray for this. So guys, fill these out. We're going to get into the practice of everybody filling them out eventually. But right now, just fill it out if you would like to, and I just know that I would like you to. Uh, I need to admit something to you. Uh, I'm one of those guys that thinks that I can do everything, or also known as a, a guy. And, <laughs> but I, I'm not very good at, at picking cherries, or berries for that matter. When I, when I was younger, because some of you are like, hey, he's still a baby, but when I was younger... Uh, my brothers and I, we grew up, we worked on farms. It was the way that we didn't have any extra income. And when you're this big, uh, you're going through clothes sizes and shoe sizes. I was wearing a size 12 when I was 12. So we didn't, we didn't have money to buy new shoes or things like that. And so we had to work on farms so that my brothers and I could pay for stuff. And we started by bucking hay, you know, doing the thing that every six-year-old does right out in the field. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, eventually we got to work for a farmer. He had one of those uh, loaders, right? So it went up, and all we had to do was stack it. We didn't have to throw it up, but uh, that was, it was tough work. But that's, that's how we got started. And, and there was the, farmer, the same farmer that owned these fields also had cherry orchards and blueberry farms. And when he didn't have enough work for us to do, doing other things like bagging seed, that was my favorite job, bagging seed, because it paid us the best, uh, he would say, hey, just go out to the fields and just pick as many berries or cherries as you could. And I thought, well, how hard could that be, you know? <laughs> so picking berries is, is really tough because they're small and delicious. And so it's, it's like one for you, one for... And he said, you know, you can eat as many as you want. It wasn't a good idea to eat a whole lot. Uh, but, but I realized very quickly that I was insanely slow because we had, we had these like five-gallon buckets and we got paid per pound for the berries. And, and there was a bunch of... Um, What's the politically way to say uh, undocumented workers? Uh, yeah, they were, they were working alongside of me, and they would fill up three or four buckets by the time that I could fill one. And uh, so I realized that, man, I'm, I'm just not very good at picking berries. And so, okay, I'll try my hand at picking cherries. And here's the interesting thing about picking cherries. It's like picking berries, but in a tree. So not only do you have like the small fruit to contend with, but now you have gravity also to fight. And so uh, that, was, that was even tougher. And uh, the farmer would only pay us if the, if the cherries, if they didn't have the leaves in the bucket. And so before we could go and weigh the cherries, we had to uh, put them on the sifter and we had to pull out all the 
So I made, I think I made a dollar an hour doing both. So it was, uh, it was not conducive to the amount of labor that I felt like it would take. But, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot from this, this farmer, Farmer David, uh, out in Perrydale, Oregon. Anyone ever been to Perrydale? Yeah? Outside of Sheridan, between Sheridan and, and Dallas. But yeah, yeah, Dallas. O- Oregon is the state in the Northwest, and it's just, no. Uh, <laughs> true story. But he taught me a lot about trees, and, and I asked him, because, I mean, every year, these trees, they would just, all of these blossoms, and we had a cherry tree at my house growing up, and it didn't produce nearly as many cherries as this man's tree did, but it was always so confusing to me, because we never trimmed our, our tree, really, and, and I thought, you know, you, you just let it do its thing, right? You know, it's a cherry tree, it knows what it's doing, so... Uh, I, I had no idea, and I, don't, I think my mom knew, but by the time that we were you know, older, she didn't really care. Uh, but I was always so amazed, because I mean, we're talking a 1,000 pounds of cherries from one tree. Like, how? How is, he, how is he doing this? And so he taught me. He said, during the off-season, come out. I'll teach you how to prune these trees. And I was like, okay, what, what is he talking about? So, you know, you get these clippers, and uh, when they're a little bigger, you got to get, like, bigger clippers, and, and anything that shoots straight up, you cut off, and anything that goes straight down, you cut off, and anything that goes back towards the tree, you cut off. So I'm like, well, how does anything grow? You, it seems like you cut off everything. He goes, well, the tree doesn't produce fruit for the first two, three years of its life. So for that time, all you're doing is you're pruning it away so it begins to grow in the shape that you want it to grow. So it grows out and up. But if you let it grow down, those limbs will eventually grow, be too thick, and they'll break because of gravity. So you want them to grow at this, this angle, and you want them to grow away from the tree because if they grow back, again, they'll, they're much harder to pick because you got to go on. John's like, yes, yeah, for my ag teacher in the front, thank you very much. He's like, you want to come up here and teach the lesson? So this guy. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was very insightful to me because he said, if you want more fruit, you have to prune. So we're going to talk about that today. And as uh, it was interesting because he said, as, as the trees mature more, you have to prune them less. You have to prune them a lot when they're young. There's a lot of different shoots and, and directions that they're going that you don't want them to go. But as they mature, as they grow older, you have to prune them less and less. So we're going to be reading out of John chapter 15 today. We're going to be talking about the very fruit that's in our lives. So I always say, you know, we're going to be in John chapter 15. John is the fourth gospel in our New Testament. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we have the book of Acts. So it's before the book of Acts and after the gospel according to Luke. We're also going to be in Galatians chapter 5. But uh, so if you had a connection card or a bookmark or something to mark in Galatians chapter 5, you can do that as well. The interesting thing about John chapter 15, I know some of you are, are flipping there, so you're not wholly engaged, but this is after Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. So for those of you who are my Bible scholars, what happened the night that Jesus washed his disciples' feet? He, he was betrayed. And so this is, this is between the time of the betrayal and the time that he gets betrayed, John chapter 15. So he's telling his disciples, he's kind of giving them 
really, hey, like this is all of the things that you need to know. And it's, and it's a lot when you read it, because most of the time when we read Jesus's sermons or stories, uh, they're like half a page long on our Bibles. But this instance, when Jesus is getting ready to go, it's kind of like, uh, remember parents, the first time that you left your kids, like with a babysitter? And, oh, well, Susie does not like her toast at 190 degrees. She likes her toast at 185 degrees. And you got to have, uh, the jam can't go all the way to the crust, right? You got to keep that. So this is, this is that. Jesus is, hey, I'm about to go. And so I'm giving you everything, right? John chapter 14, he tells them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He tells them, hey, one of you is going to betray me. He begins to tell the disciples really the, the ins and outs of what it means to be a disciple. And in that chapter as well, he's also telling the, the, his closest disciples, he said, hey, the world hates me. And if you look and, and act and talk like me, the world is going to hate you too. And so he goes on and he continues to tell them, like, this is what it is, and it's interesting because some people say, oh, this is Jesus' last sermon, but it's not a sermon. Jesus is simply sitting down and chatting with his friends and telling them really the, the ins and outs, the, maybe some of the stuff that he hasn't told them yet in order to prepare them for his leaving. So that's where we are in John chapter 15. He's saying, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to help you, but just so you know, it's going to be tough when I leave, and I want you to know these things. So let's read together. Again, we're going to be in John 15, and we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 6. So again, this is Jesus. He's speaking to his closest disciples. This is what he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, vine. <laughs> you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Uh, so who is the true vine? Jesus. Jesus. It's the Bible school. I, I, it was a softball pitch, right, Gary? That was an easy one. I was right down the middle. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus is usually the answer when we're looking for that stuff. Uh, the, I, I love, I love the, the Greek, and uh, the Septuagint is the Old Testament written in Greek, and so when Moses asks of, of Yahweh, the true God, said, hey, who are you? It says, ego, I, me. So, lego, my ego. Ego, I, me, which means I am. So, this is Jesus saying, I am. It was the same, again, the same phraseology that when they transliterated, they translated the, the Hebrew into the Greek. They, yeah, ego, I, me, I am. Who is God? I am. So, he says, I am the true vine. And who is the gardener? God. Yeah, right, God, the Father. So uh, what does the Father do to the branches that do not bear fruit? Uh, he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit in order that the branches that do bear fruit will bear more fruit. So Jesus is the vine, his uh, followers are the branches, and the Father is the gardener. Uh, the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It has to stay connected to the vine. That makes sense to us, right? You don't, there's no vine on the ground just sitting there, the branch... That fruit is 
popping out of. It's got to stay connected to the vine. Uh, but I wanted to be very clear that this is not a fire and brimstone sermon. I'm not that kind of, you know, pulpit pounding preacher. That's not who I am. And that's not who, who Jesus is. He said in John chapter 3, right? He says, I came to save the world, not to condemn the world. Uh, that doesn't mean that yeah, so this isn't me telling you to change or go to hell, so don't hear me say that. That's not what I'm saying, but this is, a, this is a warning that Jesus is telling the disciples, and the big picture is you are the branches. Your job is to bear fruit, and he's saying if you stay close to me, if you stay attached to me, if you do the things that I have asked you to do, if you follow the life that I've taught you to live, you will bear fruit through me. But if you try to do things your own way, if you try to detach yourself from me and say, I think I know best, I'm not going to follow the things that you say, I'm going to do what I want to do, then you shouldn't be surprised when there is no fruit in your life. That is Jesus' warning to his disciples, and that's his warning to us. There's a lot of different interpretations for what it means to be thrown into the fire. It is possible that he's talking about being cast into hell. It, it is possible that he's talking about people that have lost their salvation. I don't know if that's what he's talking about here. I think he's, he's just talking about your life will be a lot harder <laughs> if you don't do the things that Jesus has told you to do. Uh, we've tried to convince this to our kids, and, and we've tried to really drill it into them that Listen, uh, when you do bad things and then you lie about doing bad things, that makes it way harder, right? Because then you got to keep on lying and you got to keep telling these stories. And, and uh, Jordan, my brother, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I apologize for this. I didn't ask him. I usually ask my family permission before I tell them stories, uh, stories about them. Uh, but when we were younger, we had this closet that backed up into the living room. Uh, so the back of the closet was, you know, kind of like the living room where the, the TV was. 1,100-square-foot house, right? We didn't have, and there was three of me. So if you can imagine, so it was tons of space. And we had this closet that we weren't supposed to play in the closet, right? Because when you played in the closet, everything that was happening in the living room uh, could, be, could be heard. It was just banging on this wall. And uh, so my brother was, uh, he was in the kitchen, and, and again, you could see the kitchen like, like from the living room and here, you know, so again, small house. And so, uh, and I wasn't home at the time, so I couldn't be the culprit, so it had to be my little brother. And so my mom calls them to the living room and says, okay, who was playing in the closet? And my little brother goes, man, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, could have been anybody. And... So my mom was like, no, it couldn't have been. It had to be one of you two, because I think my mom was having a Tupperware like party in her house. So it's pretty embarrassing to mom. She's like, shut up in there. You know, so she, she's very calmly. Every mom does this. Hold on just one second, please. You can't shut up back there, you know. Oh, hey, thank you so much for being patient. And so that's the conversation that she's having, right? It's that conversation. It's like, okay, you guys need to knock it off. And she knew that my brother couldn't have, my older brother couldn't have done it. And so, um, you know, so she says, you know, hey, Mark, I'm going to talk to Jordan alone, my little brother. And she goes, okay, Jordan, if you fess up now, like no spanking or anything, just tell the truth. He goes, nope, wasn't me. He, he got in a lot more trouble because 
he lied. Because as parents, you know, when, when your kids do things that are disobedient and they come to you and they say, hey, I messed up, I did this thing, you can talk to them, right? You can be like, oh, that, that hurt my heart. That, that really stinks. You know, you're going to lose something very small. Maybe it's, you know, 15 minutes of tablet time or whatever it is, or, or they got to do this one small chore. But if they lie about whatever thing that they did, that sin, that disobedience grows exponentially, right? It's not a small punishment anymore. Now it's a much larger punishment, and it breaks your heart even more. And the reality is, is that when we do things outside of, of Jesus's uh, intentionality for us, the things that he's told us to do, and we do the very things that he tells us not to do, when things go bad in our life, when it feels like we're being burned, we ask, why, why is this happening to me? Why does God hate me so much? Well, we know that it's not God that, that's punishing us. He's just allowing the world to burn us. Does that make sense? When we choose to make decisions in opposition to what Jesus said, the, it's, it's going to hurt. Things are not going to go well for us. And for those of you who are a little older, who maybe made some bad decisions, and you saw the repercussions, if you have kids, tell them those stories. Don't just tell them the good stuff. When I was a kid, I got straight A's, and I always went to class, and I never got kicked out. Tell them the bad decisions you made and the consequences that happened. Your kids know you're not perfect. You don't have to tell them when they're really young, but you can be honest with them and tell them, hey, just so you know, I see the path you're going down. No judgment. I went down that road. Here's what happened to me. I would encourage you not to go down that road, but just know I'll love you even if you do, but it's going to hurt if you go down that way. That's the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. He's telling them, don't forget, I am the only way. I'm the only way. That is, it's crazy how controversial that is today. There is no, there aren't many roads that lead up the mountain. There aren't many paths. There's one way. His name is Jesus. And Jesus is telling his disciples, don't forget that. It is, it is, it is difficult because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to be inclusive of only that belief system. We can't be like, well, maybe these other ones are right. Maybe it's Buddha. Maybe it's Muhammad. Maybe it's all these. No, it is only Jesus. And that doesn't mean we have to be mean about it and, and yell at people, but we have to believe that in our very core, that there is no other way, but only Jesus. The second thing he's, he's telling them, he's, he said, don't, don't, don't fall away from me because there's going to be dire consequences. And again, I, I don't know if that is, you know, eternal damnation or whether that's just difficulty here on earth. But he's, what he's saying is like, if you separate yourself from me, you're going to crash and burn. Things are going to go very poorly for you. The third thing he says is, if you want to bear fruit, you should want to be pruned. Right? We're going to look in a little bit what the fruit that comes from having Jesus and the Holy Spirit within us. We're going to look at what that brings out in us. But he's saying, if you want to be my follower, if you want to look more like me, you got to let yourself be pruned. But for those of you who are more uh, mature in the faith, you know that the pruning process is, it's, it's not fun. It's not like the tree is happy about having its limbs cut off. And it's, gonna, it's hard. It's hard because there are times when Jesus asks you to do stuff or, or not do things, and it's hard, right? Am I right? Am I the only one that Jesus asks to do hard things? 
It's very difficult because sometimes you can feel like, well, I don't want to be like a holier-than-thou person. I don't want to be so perfect that no one's going to want to talk to me, so I can't like cut out this stuff. It's, it's really tough. It's really tough to let Jesus cut out the sin from your life. But there, there, are, there are people in your life that are giving you bad counsel. There are people in your life that maybe, maybe you don't have people because you've already pruned them out, but there are people that are telling you to make decisions in opposition to what the Bible says. And it feels really hurtful to ask them not to be your really close friend anymore, but there are people in our lives that we have to ask to not be our close friends because they don't give godly counsel. Right? And it hurts to see them go, and it hurts for them to not be a part of your life. Uh, also, there are jobs sometimes that we work that ask us to break God's laws. And it's tough to tell our bosses either, I'm not going to break God's laws and work for you, or I'm going to have to quit. You know, I had a boss that wanted me to cover up the, the dates on food. Or just say, well... I know, I know we can't find all the money that we had today, but just put it in the books that we had all the money. And I had to tell him, you know, hey, yeah. I, I either got to not do that or I can't work here. So there are times when we just have to stop making excuses and get to work. We will accomplish nothing without Jesus. That's the fourth point that he makes. Uh, This isn't the first time that Jesus had said something along these lines. Uh, We cannot have the Holy Spirit without Jesus. And yet sometimes we try to make decisions without consulting the Holy Spirit or Jesus. And it's really tough, again, because we say, hey, let's use worldly wisdom and try to figure this out, which is why when we have elders meetings, we we pray. And I love, uh, there's a passage that says, it seemed right to us in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of this counsel that we bring into our lives. When you're trying to make big decisions and you're struggling with which way to go, my question is always, have you you prayed about it? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you? You can't do anything without Christ. Uh, The only goal for a branch, this is number five, the only goal for the branch is to become more fruitful. Uh, Sometimes that seems daunting. You look at your life and and the things that are the, the fruit of your life really are the things that are coming from you and through you and around you. And so when you evaluate the fruit in your life, it's good fruit or bad fruit. And you say, well, I got to figure this out because maybe there's no fruit. Uh, but the hard part is, is remembering that your job as a branch is only to bear fruit. That's it. Right? Am I wrong? Some of you guys are out there like, eh, I don't know about this guy. I know I'm going fast because we lost an hour of sleep last night, and I don't want everyone to fall asleep. But Jesus sums up. He sums up his, his fruit talk. That's what we're calling this, his fruit talk with his disciples in verse 17. I'm just going to read it. You can underline it if you want. He said, these things I command you so that you will love one another. He starts by just telling them, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then he ends it by saying, this is, these are the things that I command you so that you will love one another. We remember the only new commandment that Jesus gives is to love one another in the same way that he loved us. When, he, when he's asked what's the greatest commandment, he says to love God and love each other. Love 
And, and I'm not some hippy-dippy guy up here with hair down to like my lower back, you know, to just peace and love, my brothers, you know. I know it's Grant's past, but I didn't, I didn't do any of that this morning, okay? I don't do anything like that. Uh, I used to tour, you know, as a musician, and it's one of those things that they offer. They call it a green room for a reason. Uh, but I was always one of those things where, thank goodness, I was always way too scared to ever take, partake in that realm, you know, but it was like, it's one of those things where looking back, uh, my fear is what saved me from becoming addicted to that stuff. Uh, but this is, this is not one of those, Jesus wasn't like a pacifist. He wasn't some hippy-dippy guy, but he knew that loving each other more than like we loved ourselves was something that we had to be reminded about often. People think, oh, you know, like kids, when they grow up, kids are young, they're so perfect. No. You know what you don't have to teach, what word you don't have to teach your kids? Mine. Or our son says, Bubba's, Bubba's. And he'll take, even if it's not his, right? He'll take it. It's mine. You don't, have to te- you don't have to teach kids to be selfish. You have to teach kids to be selfless. And so that's what Jesus is trying to get to us. Again, love is the, the hard part, to be selfless, to care more about others. So let, let me be asked, let me be bold and, and ask you a, a pretty pointed question. Is love growing from you? You don't have to answer that, but think about that. Is love growing from you? When people interact with you, do they say that is a very loving person? And if not, you got to ask yourself why. Where have you separated yourself from the source of love so that love is not growing from you? So I told you we were going to get to Galatians chapter 5, and so you can flip there. But again, I, I just wanted to ask that question. We're going to look at some more characteristics of what it means to be attached to Jesus. But is love growing from you? And if it's not, are you willing to be pruned so that more love will grow from you? So Galatians chapter 5, this is one that uh, you'll see in our house. I, was trying to, I saw this at somebody else's house recently, the, the fruit of the Spirit. That's one of those things that I, that I see a lot. It's up on the walls, and it's great because Deuteronomy 6 tells us to do that. Deuteronomy 6 gives us a mandate to have Scripture up in our house. He says, put it on your walls, put it on your gatepost, put it on your head, talk about it when you sit down, talk about it when you stand up, talk about it when you're on your way, talk about it. So it's good. It's good to have Scripture up in our house. Also, Psalm Chapter 1 tells us that a wise man meditates on the word, meditates on the law. He meditates on it. So I used to think that meditation was some, again, like Buddhist thing, but it's, it's encouraged to meditate on the word, to know these things. So Galatians chapter 5, if we want fruit to grow from us, we got to know what it is, what we're looking for. So this is, we're going to start in verse 22. And this is Paul, he's writing to the church in Galatia, and he's saying, hey, you got to keep in step with the Spirit, which means don't. Don't separate yourself from the Spirit. Whatever the Spirit's doing, wherever He's going, match those things, do those things. And He's saying, this is what will come from you. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, so this is, if we have the Spirit in us, this is what our life will look like, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So when Jesus says we need to bear fruit, this is what He was talking about. 
And so we got to ask ourselves, if this is what fruit looks like, is this what my life looks like? If I asked my spouse, are these characteristics ones that define me? What would she say or he say? If I asked my kids, would, would you say that these things define me? What, what do you think that they would say? If I asked my coworkers or my friends, are these things... Are these characteristics ones that define me? The more we allow the Holy Spirit to prune off our selfishness and our sin, the more fruit will grow from us. So the the question that we have to ask is not, do I grow more fruit than I used to? It's do I really, do I I grow more fruit today than I did yesterday? I, I mean, some of us had great hills hilltop experiences with Jesus where we were all in and we were, we were willing and ready to give up everything and, and we had those, those experiences and those moments and now we feel like we're in a valley where, man, we've made a lot of bad decisions on our way to where we are today. Uh, so we've got to ask the question, how do we get back into Jesus? How do we get back into becoming the people that God has called us to be? And it's not to look 10 years in the future and say, if I'm not that person tomorrow, then I failed. It's to say, am I growing more fruit than I did yesterday? And then you ask the same question tomorrow. Do I look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday? The other thing that's really hard is we'll look at the people around us and be like, man, they are growing so much more fruit than me. Look at their lives. They're so full of joy and Jesus. And I don't want to be just like them. And and we say, I'll never be able to be like them. But again, our goal is not to bear as much fruit as the tree next to us. Our goal is to bear more fruit than we did yesterday. Don't look 10 years into the future and think you have to be that person. Don't look at the people around you that have been working at this for years and wondering why you're not just like them. Only look at yourself evaluated from the person that you were yesterday to the person that you are today. And if you do that every day for 10 years, you'll find that you are the person that you wanted to be. You got to let the Father prune you, which is difficult because we got to ask the question, what? What do you watch on TV? No judgment here because I remember when Game of Thrones came out and everyone was watching it and I watched about five minutes of it. It was like, not for me. But I remember one of the, the Bible studies that I was attending, they, they watched it a couple weeks at their Bible study and I was like, okay. That's not what brings fruit in my life, that sort of stuff on TV. What kind of music do you listen to? Right? I love classic rock, but I don't listen to it much because hot for teacher doesn't make me more like Jesus. <laughs> right? Yeah? Yeah, I mean, yeah. There are things in my life that I've had to let the Father prune, not because I don't like them, because I know they're not good for me to help me become the man I want to be. If I want to be the man that God has called me to be, if I want to bear more fruit, i got to cut out the stuff that isn't Jesus. I can't graft myself on using that term, that, uh, that fruit term that Jesus has made. I can't graft myself on to things that aren't like Jesus and expect good fruit to grow from me. So we got to let the Father prune us. This isn't me up here telling you, condemning you, saying that the things you listen to or watch are, are bad, but you have to ask yourself again, if I want to be the person that I want to, if I'm going to be the person that I want to be, if I want to bear fruit like God has called me to be, what do I need to let the Father prune out? of my life. 
Sometimes it's music, sometimes it's the things that we watch on TV, and sometimes it's our friends, people that we thought were our friends but are really are encouraging us to lead lives of, you know, premarital sex and use language that is more colorful. And, and then we wonder why we're not be, becoming more like Jesus. And it's hard. It's hard to let the Father prune you. Because this may be a secret that you didn't know, but trees don't like to be pruned all that much, and neither do we. But again, we have to ask the question, if we want to bear more fruit than we did yesterday, we've got to let the Father prune us. With all the insanity we see in the world today, Ukraine and the probability of China invading Taiwan and gas prices and politicians that make decisions in opposition of what the people want, it's really easy to get caught up in, in all that stuff, man. It's really easy to get down. And just, why do I care? It's really easy. Um, and, I, and I don't, again, I don't want to pretend to be some, like, guru or some hippy-dippy peace, love, joy type of guy, but if we want to make the world a, a better place, we got to change ourselves. It's not something that Michael Jackson said. It's also something that Jesus said. we got to bear more fruit. we got to do what it takes. So what are you going to let the Father prune from your life today? What is it? Is it a, a group of people that encourage you to gossip? Is it a TV thing that you watch that doesn't glorify God? The more and more that we begin to ask the question, how do we get rid of all the things that don't glorify God in our lives, the more fruit that we will bear. But I can't make that decision for you. You've got to make it for yourself. And i got to let you know what Jesus said about the branches that bear fruit and the branches that don't. I don't want you to have to suffer in this life or the next. So I highly encourage you to find people that will call you out and bring you closer to Christ. Get in more Bible studies. Listen to more worship music. Pray more. And the way that you really start those things is by you got to stop doing all the stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing. Whatever it is in your life, I don't know what that is. I know what that is in my life, and so I can allow the Father to prune those things out. And the hard part is, again, um, our one job is just to, to get closer to Jesus and allow Him, allow His words and His deeds to come through us. That's it. Our job isn't to be perfect. Our job is to be more like Jesus, who is perfect. And I know that seems like the same thing, but I, I promise you it's not. The more you draw closer to Christ, the more fruit will come through you. And so that is my encouragement today. The, the world is crazy. Be the change you wish to see in this world. And uh, draw closer to Christ so you can bear more fruit. So let's pray together. Uh, Father, we are so grateful for all that, that you've done. You gave us Jesus. You gave us the ability to not be who we were yesterday. God, we couldn't be more grateful. God, for all the people out there who uh, maybe they've taken some wrong turns. 
that made some bad decisions. God, help them to just one by one begin to prune all of the stuff that isn't from you out of their lives. So God, be the gardener in our hearts. Take out all the stuff that isn't from you, God, and help us just to look more like your son, Jesus. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. And all God's people said, amen, amen.